the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Never going bald. Believe it. It's true. Accept it. You should. I did. You need to. You will. Show 37, December the 1st, 2011. Coming to you from SW8. Uh, not so much a cold night, but a wet night. It's been raining since uh, mid-afternoon. Love, loss and lattes. Lots of lattes. Lots of lattes today. I'm not sure what happened to the latte there. Uh, I've got a can of uh, Diet Blue Bolt to my right. And uh, it's on my desk, but I've got a tissue underneath it. I just bought it about 45 minutes ago. And uh, I got to the till... And there's like a red marking underneath the can. And I was in the queue and I was thinking, I've got to go back. I've got to get another one. I don't know what this is. Is it soup? Is it blood? What is it? And I was trying to think. I was racking my mind as to what product, what other product could it be? What, what is this stain? Got back to the flat. I've tried uh, scrubbing it off. It won't come off. Whatever it is, it's staying there. Uh, I can't have this uh, on my on my desk just like this so uh, I've got a tissue underneath Christmas is coming Christmas is coming it's on its way people on Twitter yesterday 30th of November tweeting about going to their office Christmas parties on the 30th of November what is that about not even December yet people uh, a couple of listeners going to their Christmas parties tonight is there any point in having a Christmas party this early and Christmas isn't for another three and a half weeks yet um, it, it kind of gives you the impression that officers just want to get it out of the way. For my part, as always, I'm very pleased not to be involved in the uh, Christmas party season. I think I got sucked into it uh, a couple of times, 96 and uh, 2008, unfortunately. Um, that's not for listeners to uh, email me uh, on my uh, uh, fantastic uh, recallability. It's simply, you don't forget stuff like that. If you're not into it, you don't forget stuff like that. It's, uh, I think, for... for if you're someone who finds uh, interaction with colleagues difficult, then uh, the Christmas season must be an absolute nightmare for you. It's been a tiring week, continuing to uh, sleep bad. Building work above me has gone into a third week. They're drilling from about 8 in the morning. You know, which I guess is... Uh, it is early. It's not an unreasonable time to start work. The problem is I'm not going to bed till about three. I just uh, I can't sleep. It's uh, I do dread. Um, I just dread the nights. It'll get to about one a.m. and I'll be thinking I really ought to go to sleep. And I'm still wide awake. And the only times I've ever been able to really properly address my insomnia that's dogged me since I was thirteen is when I've had some nine to five. Uh, job and then you know I'll be in bed by midnight and I'll be up you know 6.37 I'm still getting up early but I'm just not sleeping enough and I know that at this age now you can't really get away with that I feel so slow in the mornings so slow um, laptop issues uh, still dogging me please don't hug me uh, an hour's worth of uh, please don't hug me this week uh, crashed uh, I don't know what happened there. It might have been a good thing, actually. Uh, had an old uh, classmate with us, and it was like a, 
it was like the last 23 years since we'd left school hadn't happened. It was impossible to manage Mickey and the chin. It was uh, it was like being back in the classroom. It is amazing how that uh, hierarchy, that school hierarchy, is still there. I, I was completely devoid of uh, the gravitas required to control the pair of them. It was not the uh, most enjoyable experience. But all this uh, failing equipment, it's it's kind of like the Millennium Falcon, really. It's uh, anything that's completed on these laptops is uh, is, is an achievement, really. So I took the weekend off last week. Again, I think it's I think it's working for me. Just the, the down tools. I spent a, a couple of hours in the cafe Saturday afternoon. Uh, got my least favourite table, but all I had with me was a book. Managed to read about a hundred pages with with difficulty. As I've said, uh, I can't read like I used to. I used to uh, read maybe a book or two a week. Can't do that now. And. Uh, read the book it's a brilliant book but i can't say i'm enjoying it because of the way i'm reading it i'm really forcing myself to read it and it was my uh, my cousin's 40th at the weekend a sunday i did absolutely nothing i just down tools again i read a bit more tried to rest didn't get to the shops so about six o'clock sunday evening I took a long walk down to wandsworth road to find the tesco's down there only to discover that there is a Tesco's two minutes away from me now, which apparently has been there for a long time on Clapham Road, but uh, I'd never seen it before till now. So um, that was that was odd. But yeah, I've just been trying to rest. Um, I was so stressed last week, and uh, it, it, it does concern me. I don't know if it's a posture issue because of the amount of time I spend at my desk. I don't know if it's stress, anything to concern myself with. I, I booked the uh, vascular screening test uh, for next week. You know, finally got around after Mickey uh, was saying, look, you need to get this test. It's free. You're coming up to 40. Get yourself tested. So I think they, they, they take some uh, bloods first. That's next week. And then two weeks later, they uh, they um, uh, do the final part of the test, whatever that is. Um, so, was, you know, Monday, back to everything, trying to focus on the week ahead. Today broke the 100,000-word barrier on the book, but I'm not kidding myself that the energy and enthusiasm that I had for the book a few weeks ago is there. It's it's not. There, there's very little enthusiasm at the moment for anything. And I think that's what happens. I think maybe that's what's happening to a lot of people. I think that's what the recession does. If you don't have that support network, certainly if you're on your own, you still have your ambition. You still have your drive. You still have your dreams. But... The daily toil, the struggle, just chips away at you. It sucks the energy out of you. I feel cranky. I, I struggle to focus. I'm unable to multitask. And I was speaking to this. Uh, I was speaking to Martin about this. And now I think that might be an age thing. Um, you know, years ago, famously, when I first got my mobile phone, I used to text a lot on the move. Within a week of getting the mobile phone, I'd be knocked over by a bike. Um, unless you've been knocked over by a bike, you don't realise. The force those things are often traveling at and uh, I was hurt but I can't multitask now when I'm focusing on something I have to turn the music off and years ago I used to be able to work with all sorts going on whether it was a radio or music and now I can't and I was saying to Martin do you think this is an age thing and he said yeah it's the same for him when he has to concentrate now he he just turns everything off I if I'm sending a text now on the move I can't do it. I will just stop in the street and send the text, uh, send the text, and then carry on walking. Um, I can't spread myself across multiple projects like I used to, which is 
I think one of the reasons why I've continued to put off my stand-up return, I'm aware what that pressure might do to me. I think that and the fact most comedians are knobs, and the thought of spending any time with and around them isn't something I'm particularly looking forward to. Kind of um, stand-ups, I think with stand-ups, their uh, whole social circle quickly becomes other stand-ups. I'd never understood that. Even my Twitter timeline's been clogged up with stand-ups simply because I'm following one or two of them and they start, they just don't stop tweeting one another. Very cliquey, becomes really annoying. I'm currently trying to weed out those who actually tweet about X Factor over the weekend because that really uh, pisses me off. That must be about half of my timeline on a Saturday night is X Factor. In fact, I used to avoid Twitter at the weekends because I I didn't want to know the football scores. I'm okay with the football scores now. I just don't want to know about X Factor. That show kills me. Has there ever been a worse show than that? The thing is that the people who tweet about it, it's not a class thing. It's not like, you know, you exp- you, you, you realise that tabloid readership is, it largely consists of the working class. X Factor is classless. Uh, it's so many intelligent, middle-class people whose timelines are absolutely brilliant to read during the week. You know, writers and musicians and performers and you think oh that's a good tweet oh this guy can this guy can write this girl can write and on Saturday night it's all about X Factor sometimes during the week you'll see them tweeting about you know some brilliant new album that they've downloaded and you think you know I might check that out and on Saturday night suddenly these music lovers become people who are investing time in what I think is one of the worst shows there's ever been, where yeah, and the end product in X Factor is so mediocre, and I don't understand it. Whether people are following this show to to boost their timeline, if you tweet about X Factor, do you get more followers? I don't understand how these people can genuinely like this show. I think to me it sums up a lot about what is wrong with our culture and the way we've dumbed down. It's uh, I don't get it. Anyway, so I'm trying to weed out the X Factor people. I'm trying to weed out the stand-ups because I don't really want to read these uh, these tweets. Anyway, uh, today today I was in line for an interview. Uh, public sector, unfortunately. Uh, uh, but, you know, a job is a job right now. Uh, and the interview was supposed to be early next week. The agency called me up, said I had to register, re-register. I'd registered with them years ago. I think I'd worked for them in the 90s. I'd worked for them three years ago. I'd re-registered last year. Some young consultant kept asking me during the re-registration how he could break into TV and I was like you know do you think I'd be here if I could help you with that yeah I could break into it I just couldn't stay there anyway I was told look you got the interview you're the only one they want to see for an interview you're issuing for this job uh, but your old branch is closed down your paperwork's been shredded I needed to come in again and register before the interview and I said no that's not the way I'm preparing for an interview um, for the last six months every time I call them up about a role. They obviously didn't know who I was. It's unprofessional, and in that context, the interview wasn't important. And a number of recruitment agencies do this. Now, obviously, there is less work now, so a lot of recruitment consultants that I had have lost their jobs. So I will get a call or an email, maybe if I'm lucky, someone telling me, you know, I've taken over from so-and-so. Now uh, we'll be looking for work on your behalf, but I need to see you. I need to meet you. I need to get a feel for who you are before I can put you forward for work. I think that is uh, merely them ticking boxes. I don't think that's necessary, but I've gone and done it. But having done it now about four times in six months, 
and seen absolutely nothing happen and that these consultants waste my time in the in the way that their predecessors did I'm not doing it again I'm not doing the re-registration thing anymore I'm not doing it you've seen me once you know you don't need to see me again I'm a good-looking guy I understand you may want to see me again I get that but I want a job I don't want to keep re-registering um, um, I don't know, I'm just a little worn out, frustrated, I'm tired by all this bullshit, I'm tired by consultants ticking boxes, I'm tired of the way recruitment consultants now do their jobs, they advertise online rather than contacting you directly, as they used to, and I pulled them up about this earlier on this week, and I said, well, we've hardly got any work in, so we're very active now, we go and meet uh, employers, and then, you know, I, I'll, that's what our work has become now, we're going to meet companies, we get the jobs, we advertise them online, well, how about what you do with the people who are on your books? What kind of relationship do you have with those now? Why are you putting this these jobs out to all and sundry? What, what, why have I come in and registered with you? Um, I don't get that. I don't get the way that consultants have uh, changed the whole process of finding work through an agency. So, uh, yeah, I feel a, a little bit self-destructive, I think. Um, I had an interview. I don't have an interview now, but... I don't regret it. That's the thing, you know. Don't dick me around. You want to get rid of me you, you, because I haven't come to uh, re-register again, as you've requested. That's fine. You know, I don't care about the interview. I'm not preparing for an interview by first taking a a, a a bus for an hour into the city to sit down for two hours and fill out all these forms and take word tests and Excel tests. I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that again. Anyway, get in touch with the show via Twitter at 1607WestEgg. Email me, drt at westegg1607.co.uk. You've got the Facebook group that you can join, the Daniel Ruse Tyson uh, podcast, although no one actually posts in there. I don't know why it's there anymore, really. South Lambeth Road is an interesting place. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a dump, but it's interesting. It's very cosmopolitan, largely comprised of Madeirans. This is what the media labelled uh, Little Portugal. It's full of uh, Madeirans, 27,000 of them who weren't here 10, 15 years ago. And their kids, the teenagers, and the, 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 the Madeirans in their early 20s have really bought into the whole hip-hop culture thing. Now, I think hip-hop culture... I, latterly, I've reviewed my opinion of hip-hop culture. I don't think it's entirely responsible for the aggressiveness we see out on the street. I think... Uh, uh, MTV channels like that with their output um, uh, have contributed to that. I think video games have contributed to that. There are lots of young kids playing games like Halo that they shouldn't be playing. Um, I think people have, or kids have become desensitized to violence more than perhaps my generation were. Um, I look at these kids, I look at these young Madeiran kids and they don't pull the look off. They, they remind me of those ramshackle African militias you, you'll sometimes see in a news report. Some, some BBC reporters hooked up with them to do a report. They're dressed, they're only dressed in partial uniform. They might be wearing some old football tops. If they're lucky, they're wearing a helmet. They've got their rifle. They might not even have shoes. It's, it's that kind of incomplete feel to their look. The baseball caps don't look quite right on them. They've got the tram lines. They've got the tattoos. They they speak in that uh, sort of ebonics uh, lingo that most young kids seem to speak in these days. And I find it unconvincing. But but there's nothing new there in what I'm saying. But what what has got me interested in this, particularly this week, is I had a moment earlier on this week 
where I saw one of these kids with a girl and I looked at them and I thought if I was 25 years younger you know that, that does make me sound old if I was 25 years younger would I have got caught up in this would I too have been a moron because what's interesting about these this, 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 these kids for me is they're white not just that they're white but they're European you see a mixture of white and black kids been doing this for years on our streets but I've been able to keep a distance because it was British kids, white British kids, black kids. I didn't feel a connection to it. But this is European kids who bought into this heavily. Um, and it's unusual because we are different. It's We are a different culture. We don't... English is not our first language. We come from families who didn't speak English. We grew up speaking Spanish or Portuguese as our first language. Um, there's no more Spanish people really around here. There's there's just a few, but you know, 20, 30 years ago, they, this was just full of Spanish people. But these are our, our Iberian cousins. They're the closest example I think I've ever seen of what might have happened to us had this happened earlier, or what might have happened to my children if I'd actually you know got my act together. What I might have been fighting against. Um, and they're hustlers, the Madeirans. They're always out in the street in all sorts of weather. Sometimes I'll go out there and it's pissing down with rain and I'll look at them and they're still out there and they're comfortable being out there, you know, outside the cafe smoking in a group of four or five. They just don't like staying indoors. And that's a very Mediterranean thing. In fact, the Southern Europeans' friendships are actually forged on the street. That is something that has always struck me about the Spanish. In fact, that's where I've not actually felt Spanish because I've always been one for having friends over. But uh, the Spanish, and I, I read a fantastic book over the summer which talked about this, they don't invite you to, to, to their home if you're not family. Those friendships are forged in the squares. That's, you know, part of the eating late and then going for a walk thing is you also meet your friends on these walks. And you get to know people as well as, say, we do by, by, by going to people's houses, but they just do it out in the street. And I'd struggled with that in a previous relationship. Uh, 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 a few years back, uh, the family were very private, very closed off. It was all about family, and I, I couldn't deal with that because I'm very much about friends. But these Madeirans, they run this stretch of road. Everything else around here, uh, heading south uh, towards Stockwell, just around the corner from me, is, is black gangs, which in themselves have changed now, uh, as they're now a mixture of African and West Indian kids. That wasn't the case 10 years ago. African friends will tell me that up until 10 years ago, you never saw that. Um, you know, there were clear divisions. Their parents actually told them to stay away from West Indian kids. Now, the only kids around here that stick to their own group are other Somali kids who no one messes with, basically. You know, those kids are, are warriors. But... You know, South Lambeth Road, dirty area, colourful area, but there's a real divide between parents and kids. It's like the parents have given up on their kids. Um, and I'd say these parents haven't done a good job. You didn't see this from Europeans uh, 20, 25 years ago. But I wonder now if my parents would have succeeded in keeping me off the streets if I'd grown up in this kind of environment. I mean, we were so innocent in comparison to these kids. You know, these kids are openly dealing on the street. I know this because I experienced it last year on my doorstep night after night. And it was it was stressful. I was left alone. But I just, to me, it was wrong. To me, it wasn't, I wasn't working, you know, 50 hours a week to be coming home to, to, to you know, encountering dealers on my doorstep night after night. There was nothing I could do. The police were crap. Um, 
so yeah it got me thinking it got me thinking what would have happened to me what would have happened to you know my cousin my 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 my, my sister had we been growing up now would we have got sucked into this it's uh it's, it's not something i've thought about before i think it would have been very difficult for us as working class kids to have avoided this i think we would have had to be very very strong people not to have got caught up in this you're listening to the daniel ruse titan podcast love loss and lattes lots of lattes coming to you from sw8 few complaints last week about the uh, coming back feature the lengthy one with uh, ray clements and how i forgot at one point apparently how many toes this girl had had amputated honestly um I'd lost track. It wasn't done for uh, the sake of being funny. I uh, apologise if anyone was offended by that. I uh, should have had the uh, email sent in bullet point format uh, so it was easier to follow. Funnily enough, I got an email from the listener whose story that was claiming they didn't know it was for, for the show. Of course it was for the show. I made it clear it was for the show. They said they would have uh, written it better had they known it was going to be on uh, show 36. Hopefully uh, 500 words shorter. I absolutely butchered that. It was a hell of a story. There was a, a lot I wasn't able to include in that. But uh, yeah, thank you for uh, sharing that story uh, with us. Time now for this week's uh, Song Overkill. Uh, songs you've been overplaying over the last week and your reasons for overplaying it. Um, I'm going to have to check this one out. Uh, I'm not sure if I've got the song right. Let me, uh, let me just uh, find my uh, MP3 player. Um, the song that I have been overplaying this week uh, is from the new Kate Bush album, uh, Snowed In at Wheeler Street. I think the album's called, is it 50 Words for Snow? Uh, I'm, uh, I want to say I'm a big Kate Bush fan simply because, uh, well, I'm not sure why I wouldn't say that actually. I think she's brilliant, uh, but I've probably never uh, had periods in my life where I've just played her music non-stop in the same way that I would with New Order or Tears for Fears, but I think she's an exceptional uh, singer, songwriter, and I think it's a good album, spoilt for me only by the uh, the need to involve Elton John and Stephen Fry. Certainly I don't know why Stephen Fry had to be involved. I think just uh, an ordinary actor with a low profile could have done what he did on, on the album. Uh, I, I didn't really like that, didn't sit well with me. Um, Elton John, for me, artistically shagged out since the 70s. Uh, also, you know, a song about two star-crossed lovers who through the ages have failed to get together. That's what this song is about, Snowed In at Wheeler Street. Um, once I forgot that it was, you know, given how clingy a couple Elton John and David Furnish seemed to be, once I was able to put out of my mind that David Furnish was probably there at the studio smiling, because, you know, I don't like Clemmy. Uh, I don't like... Oh, fuck, you know. What is wrong with me today? I don't like clingy couples. Uh, gay or straight it's something it's one of my bugbears um yeah once i was able to get past that uh, i was fine with the song my biggest problem with elton john is his singing style has always been so american if you're american there's nothing wrong with singing in an american voice but english singers who who sing with an american accent have always wound me up um that said, it's it is a very good song. Kate Bush is 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 you know she's just superb. She is the benchmark for for, for singers, male or female, uh, really, regardless of uh, sex. Her uh, body of work is is, is phenomenal. Um, what's particularly impressive for me is right now, 
is her continued belief in what albums can offer in a market now heavily loaded in favour of singles. Um, I think that's rather refreshing on her part. Uh, I just think uh, choosing Elton John as your star-crossed lover for that song means it, it comes up short on uh just slightly short but it is a very good song i stuck it up on the blog it's a it's a you know that's you know song about a couple of star-crossed lovers down the ages who who, who've you know been lovers over centuries and it's a it's a it's a very very good song but it could have been better nevertheless i have been overplaying it this week uh had a tweeting uh from uh, a new listener uh gil dweller um, for me, it's Aqualung by Morchiba, guaranteed to relax me, irrespective of what shit the day has dealt. I don't know, if, is that a late 90s album? I might have had that. I, uh, it rings a bell. It rings a bell. Um, the lovely William Stafford, copyright Mickey Boy. William, uh, if you remember, we hadn't heard from him last week, so I was a bit worried whether the show, uh, was strong enough to survive without the lovely William Stafford. But, uh, you know, I think we we, we we did okay, but it's uh, great to have William back. After failing to contribute last week with my head full of the final chapters of my November novel, writes William, this week I am determined to send something in, despite having tissues everywhere. My head is full of cold, is all I'm saying. My historical song, Overkill. Okay, this is what we did last week. This was the uh, historical song, Overkill. Songs that you've kept coming back to over, over the years. Um... My historical song Overkill is pure cheese, but every time I go back to it or it pops up on my iPod, it makes me smile. It tells the story of a young swain, confident and optimistic that whatever problems this young lady is going through, his affection for her will sort her out. I give you nothing my love can't fix by Joey Lawrence. I think I rem well, I do remember Joey Lawrence. Um, I just, I'm not sure I remember him from the right show. I, he was in a sitcom. I think it might have been called Blossom. I don't think he was originally the, the star of it. I don't know if he joined the show from the beginning or he uh, came in midway through. Uh, but he did become very big for a while. If I remember rightly, little guy, maybe a leather jacket, big hair, big curly hair. Uh, William continues, it has an infectious chorus and a hilariously ill-advised rap section towards the end. The video is upbeat and sunny and pure 90s with colourful graffiti, arrogant posturing and a woman doing the splits in a pair of gymnastic rings. Cheese has never been this adorable. Uh, recently, Joey has lost his miraculous mane of hair and has gone for the Mickey Boyd sha shaven cranium look. I wonder if this is because his hair was thin in any way, because he did look like he had that kind of white afro thing going on, and that hair's not strong enough to, to get you beyond maybe 35, really. Um, William continues, he has appeared on the American version of Strictly Come Dancing called Dancing with the Stars, so his cheese quotient is still running high. Uh, Callum VS, uh, his song Overkill this week, can't help falling in love by Elvis Presley, especially a live version rather than the recorded one. I imagine myself singing it like that. I listen to it a hell of a lot, though I, uh, though I wouldn't have it on repeat. Besides, it takes quite a lot of energy to sing like that. One a day or maybe two a day is fine. I don't want to wear it out. Uh, Peter Domican, it's the public sector strike this week and I've been playing this a lot. I don't always agree with Billy Bragg on everything, but I think he argues his case well, and always with a great deal of humour. His new version of Waiting for the Great Leap Forward does both. On his non-political songs, he writes beautifully. St. Swithin's Day is just wonderfully poignant. Sadly, very few people cover his work well. Kirsty McCall did a good version of New England, but Dubstar's version of St. Swithin's Day is rank. On a slightly separate topic, uh, Peter continues, I wondered if you'd seen the promotional guff for Donny V's new album on Amazon. This is uh, Donny V... Um, whose uh, song two or three weeks back may well have been the worst song overkill that's been submitted to the show, uh, submitted by the uh, 
broken genius of the East Midlands, uh, Billy Two Rivers Nine. Uh, you'll be hearing from him later. Uh, Peter continues, Donny V, the songwriter, the voice, the personality. Enough, snuff, man. I still don't know how to say that name. Uh, Donny consistently amazes with the quality of his output, outgrowing the Beatlesque tag and the glam label many years ago. Donny continues to deliver with a newfound enthusiasm. Vocals, guitar, keyboards, and much, much more. A one-man powerhouse of a talent. Wrapped around my middle finger is the brand new album from the critically acclaimed singer-songwriter and could well be one of the finest that he has ever recorded. Consummate songwriting combined with his distinctive vocals and stellar performances make this one of the uh, make this one of the album of 11. I don't know what that I don't know if there's something missing there. Totally essential for all fans of quality songwriting and EZN. The, the title track has already appeared on the Kiss on the Kiss on this classic rock magazine cover mount. Uh, uh, Peter continues. I'm consistent, uh, consistently uh, amazed that another person on this planet shares Billy Two Rivers Nine view, or maybe he wrote it. Um. Yeah, Donny V. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm buying that. So we had the uh, public sector strike yesterday. I made my views on public sector workers clear last week. Uh, you know, the <clears throat> minority of them, I felt, uh, still feel, are uh, slackers. Um, something that I had a, a response to uh, from other frustrated public sector workers claiming they are carrying some colleagues in their current jobs. But having said that, I do back the strike. I, I, sadly, I don't think it will change anything. But, uh, you know, what's happening is wrong. You just... Uh, wonder how many more people are going to uh, get screwed in this recession you know my job last year there's quite a few of us who who, who lost our roles and the uh, bosses were on upwards of 70 uh, grand a year all of them bar one public school loads of consultants and obscene amounts of uh, on obscene daily rates you know I, I couldn't do that People will say, oh, so you would turn down that kind of money if it was offered to you. Yes, I would. I would only need enough to, uh, you know, to get by on comfortably. I don't need an obscene amount of money, you know, when someone might even be working longer hours than me. It's, uh, it's, I, I, that stuff doesn't sit well with me. Personally, I don't need to worry too much about pensions. I honestly, uh, I honestly believe I'm headed into the final third of my life. I, I'm not saying that in a grim way it's something I feel it's um, you know family history is against me neither of my parents made it beyond their 50s um, we grew up in poverty I don't think it's any coincidence that both of them died young and they were both the youngest in their families um, the damage the last few years have probably done to my health uh, uh, are not something that I can ignore an increasingly poor diet not you know I can work out no matter what but uh, you know if I'm eating food that's not what I was used to that's not going to be helping me it's something I think about a lot uh, you know, I'm sad enough to be doing this podcast probably till the end probably get to a thousand shows I'll have some kid 15, 16 year old kid helping me out on the editing Probably be, you know, the kid will probably be uh, stealing from me I'll pretend not to know because I'll be too frail and scared to confront them for me it's uh it's about making the most of the time I have left, you know, changing my mindset, embracing life, embracing however long is left, uh, being aware that any woman I, I get with, that I'm not going to be her last man, on that basis, you know, do everything to her, you know, in the bedroom so that she doesn't forget me, leave a, uh, you know, leave a bedroom legacy that daunts any man that comes after me, hopefully have her more me for a decent period, 
No, seriously, I do think about that a lot. It's a horrible thing to know, I think, for a man that the woman you're with is going to get shagged by other blokes. It's, uh, you know, the noises that she makes with you, the faces she pulls for you in the bedroom, the things she does to you. To, to know that those things are not exclusive to you, to know that she's going to do them for someone else at some point in her life. Um, you know, that that's uh, that's not, not, not a good thing to be thinking about, but... Uh, I think most men will 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 think that, and I think the woman will think that as well. I think she'd be aware that if you do go before her, that it's not the end of the world for her. She 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 she'll get over it, and uh, you know she'll be getting uh, she'll 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 be getting action from another guy at some point in her life. She she'll be confident in that. If she keeps herself in shape. It's an issue, I think, because uh, I'll probably it's likely I will continue to to go for younger women, not because I'm trying to prove something to myself. But because I don't want someone who's been married, you know, or worse still, has kids. And it's likely that, you know, now at my age, I'm, I'm, it, it would be very hard to find a 39-year-old woman who hadn't been married or who hadn't been settled down with some guy for years or, or, or had kids. I'm not bringing up someone else's children and having to deal with their dad being on the scene. You know, they have a boy, you see their dad in his face, you visualize what the, the dad did to you your now misses in the sack or if they don't know the dad you bring them up you spend all this money on them at 18 the first thing they want to go and do is find their biological dad you know all your latte money has gone on bringing them up uh it's it's something that i have genuinely felt for years probably since my late teens honestly i i, I kid you not something i feel strongly about you know that we what we've seen in this country is the, the the breakdown of the family. You know, we've got half brothers, half sisters, stepdads, stepmoms. I never bought into that. I would rather die alone than have different kids with different women. I I, I think I, I I would struggle to introduce my children to a younger sibling who had a different mum to them. I, I you know, and over the last twenty years, this has become accepted in our society. And I personally, I think it's wrong. Behind all that behind all these children these half siblings are, are broken relationships now i could say why get with someone if you can't see it lasting but you know you probably don't know you can never be entirely sure you can get with someone i mean uh, all the friends i have who've been with each other since their teens uh, who are still together after 20 years or if you get married in your 20s are you still the same person in your 30s i don't know if you are but maybe these people survive because they're changing together. And so maybe that change um, happens almost as one. Whereas if they were individuals, if, if, if they had been on their own, the two same people, the changes probably would have been greater. I don't know if I'm making sense there. Um, I know that as a, as a man in his late 30s, I'm very different to what I was in my 20s. Had I been married in my 20s, would I still be the, with the woman that I'd met in my 20s? How would she have changed? Would our changes have still left us uh, compatible? Obviously, you can't stay with someone if you're not happy with them. I, I, I understand that. But do you have to have kids with everyone you're with if you already have kids? I don't get it. I, I don't like it. I'll never bring someone else's kids up. I'll, I, I don't think I will ever love a woman enough to take on her kids. Um, and, and there will be friends listening to this who will remember having this conversation with me, or me telling them this, you know, 
from maybe 20 years back. I've always believed it. You know, and, and I'm someone who grew up in a in a in a you know crap home, a, a difficult environment. But as yet, no half siblings have tracked me down, and I'm you know I'm thankful for that because I would not be happy about that. Earlier on, uh, just as I was putting the run in order together for for this week's show, a fantastic conversation about Romania broke out in the cafe. Uh, it was empty, save for me. I was in my usual uh, table by the, you know by the loose. And it was a conversation between uh, an old guy with a very shiny chin. Well, old, he was probably in his 60s. And a, a young guy, probably late 20s, who, who seemed enamoured with the sound of his own voice, a deep, booming voice. And they were talking about Ceausescu's palace. And uh, one was the older guy was sat at one end. Uh, the younger guy was sat at my end. The cafe was empty, so there was no one in between. And I thought, how will they deal with this when the other tables separating them get taken if they get taken as it is it didn't happen the cafe stayed empty but then i was thinking will they join each other because they were really immersed in their conversation they were ordering separately but if they if they joined together if they if one had said you know come over here i think it would have been awkward you know how would you tackle the bill the permed guy would certainly he certainly looked to me like he would be watching the pennies he, he, he struck me as a mature student maybe a guy who would never finish studying um, the older guy, I think, at one point looked like he wanted the conversation to end. He's, he's, he got his big meal. I think he, he, he would ideally he wanted to concentrate on his meal and then perhaps get to the, you know, get back to the conversation. The perm kid, I think, he ordered himself toast, soup, into which he sprinkled some chili sauce. The other guy then saw him uh, uh, sprinkling the chili sauce into his soup and inquired about that. Uh, the the permed guy explained what it was. So the older guy then asked for some chilli uh, soup. The perm guy ordered himself a, a glass of red wine as well. Whilst they were ordering, you know, uh, the, the, the flow of the conversation was interrupted. And I thought, that's a natural ending point there for the conversation. But the perm very deftly picked it up again as soon as the waiter had uh, taken his order and continued. And uh, I kind of marvelled at that conversation, but it's certainly something that I would find difficult. I mean, how do you end that? Because they obviously hit it off. There were no customers turning up, fortunately, to, to make it awkward for them to resume uh, or to continue their conversation. But what do you do at the end? Do you exchange emails at the very least? Or do you just say, that was, that was lovely talking to you? It's, uh, it's a curious one. I almost wish sometimes that I had that in me, that I, that I could be a raconteur with, with complete strangers. You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast, the Half Man Half P45, coming to you from SW8. I want to say thanks to my aunt uh, this week. Well, over the last week, in fact, she she's like a denim surgeon. No hole in the crutch of a pair of jeans is too big for her to stitch up. My my walk might subsequently become even more awkward than it already is, but uh, I've 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 delivered the uh, boot cut jeans, which are literally on their last legs, to her. I've got the other jeans back managing with them now tough times people tough times now uh time for hairstyles that you never liked i'm not sure that uh you guys are, are getting the hang of this uh, th- th- this this feature was originally set up to be about partners or exes that you were with straight gay whatever whose hairstyles you didn't like um but i guess there's nothing wrong with how the feature is evolving but, but uh it's evolving without really having had enough uh tweets or emails about uh, partners hairstyles before we got to this point uh billy two rivers nine uh 
emailed in. This is more uh, a tale of a hairstyle that my mum never liked. My love of late 80s glam rock has been well documented on this show and Twitter over recent weeks. Needless to say, I tried to mirror Donny V's changing hairstyles throughout this golden period of my youth. I went through a phase of dyeing my hair via the use of one of those do-it-yourself washing kits. Still remembered my preferred colour, vibrant burgundy from the Clairol range. I'm normally quite modest, but I have to say my hair really suited that colour. I looked good. I knew it. And the rock chicks of Nottingham knew it too. I was living at home at the time and would apply the stuff on a Friday night before heading out. Female listeners of the show will know what I mean when I say that the process of applying these products is a messy business. I was 19 years old, carefree and reckless. I made the application process an exceptionally messy business. Week in, week out, I would just leave our bathroom sink looking like a murder, being committed in it. Vibrant burgundy splatters everywhere and the cheap plastic gloves carelessly discarded on the bathroom floor. A bollocking off my poor mum every Saturday morning became the norm. Quite why I continue to offend is beyond me. I was not a bad child, but on a Friday night I had bigger fish to fry. <laughs> I had no time for being bothered about getting involved in cleaning bathroom sinks after me. Regards, as always, the broken genius of the East Midlands, Billy Two Rivers Nine. Um, Billy Two Rivers Nine was tweeting during the week as well that he uh, was actually uh, appeared on the old Channel 4 show from a few years back. I think the Salon. Uh, so it, it must have been filmed up north. He said that he had his hair cut there a few times and he uh, was on their website when it was up and that uh, he was gutted when the series ended. Uh, the lovely William Stafford copyright, Mickey Boyd. Uh, William writes, a hairstyle I don't like is a uh, is dreadlocks on white people. It doesn't look right to me, all that mousy or ginger hair, and it usually comes with all sorts of behaviours that test even my liberal sensibilities. Barrett, a Rastafarian friend of mine, used to despair of these hippie dips, as he called them. On him, the dreadlocks looked cool, although that is not why he wore them. Um... We call them down here, we call them Trustafarians. They are essentially middle-class kids who rebelled against their dads. Um, uh, I, I, I find them frustrating. You'll find them on any march. Uh, the whole... Uh, any, any cause, they they are there. I, I, I find them tiring. I think it's a, it's a stupid look as well. Um, very common among Spanish kids. And, you know, I'm Spanish, but I find... I, I struggle with young Spaniards, certainly those under 35. It's like they have no concept of what democracy is. And I can spot a Spanish uh, kid in London a mile off just by their hairstyles. Uh, you know, I kid you not, by their hairstyles. You know, the, the piercings, the dreadlocks. You know, I've had a, I remember a Greek friend when I first met him, uh, first time ever, he said, What is it with your people and the dreadlocks? Uh, they just seem set on pissing off their parents. I, I think that to them is what democracy represents. And I think it's probably, we're probably about 20 years away from a new breed of Spaniard, a Spaniard who understands as we do what democracy is, that democracy isn't about looking like an idiot. It isn't about pissing your parents off. Yeah, that's, that's something that frustrates me about uh, my fellow Spaniards. Um, uh, Jill Dweller, uh, worst hairstyle has to be the bald in denial a la Terry Nutkins. Yeah, that's a weird one. I think you can maybe pull it off just about if you're a, a rock musician, the kind of Mick Fleetwood look, but uh, it doesn't look good on anyone. It doesn't look good on anyone. Um, uh, also, uh, thank you for the iTunes review, uh, uh, Gil, Jill, I'm not sure how to say that. Um, so, yeah, look, keep those uh, hairstyles that you don't like coming in. But, you know, ideally, let, let's let's get a few more uh, hairstyles that you didn't like on your partners, current or ex-partners, in. I think those will be fun. Um, 
items that could be better a new feature here this is something that i was discussing on twitter with and i don't know how to say his handle is it donk don't bet till i die uh, we were discussing the desert boot it's a it's a it's a great shoe it's uh, it comes into its own in the springs especially it's a shoe to be enjoyed in the summer it's a classic looking shoe but it's absolutely treacherous in the winter particularly uh, when it's wet and I don't understand and we were saying we why have the manufacturers of desert boots why have they never sought, uh, sought to improve the sole why have they never sought to add a grip what is to be lost by adding a grip is it going to push prices up don't you want a shoe that can be enjoyed in all weathers because I don't think too many people will be buying the desert boots uh, the desert boot in the winter really I, I, I would imagine that sales spike around the spring and summer but aren't manufacturers, the, the, the people behind the desert boot, looking at sales in the winter and thinking, what's going on here? How can we address this? Aren't they curious? Because I imagine sales during the, uh, the, the winter months do plummet. Anyway, look, uh, if you can think of uh, any items uh, that can be improved, ideally classic items, you know, uh, tweet them, uh, classic items, uh, stick a hashtag on there, uh, Twitter at 1607westegg or email the show drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Not really on my uh, podcast game tonight again. Sorry, apologies. It's the uh, tiredness. I've had to uh, stop the show already a couple of times. Um, yeah, not, not, not quite with it. Anyway, <clears throat> Tuesday or Wednesday early next week is the, uh, the first anniversary of the weekend uh, in the hotel where I hit my lowest point last year, the biggest change I ever felt in my life, uh, the biggest moment in my life, I think, bar, you know, finding uh, finding my mum. And I've talked about that extensively on previous shows, and I don't really know, you know, need to go into that much detail here again. Um, a brief summary, being dumped the day before, I was stuck in that hotel, the flat had gone, the job had gone, and I realised that day that the head had gone too. And the feeling I had that day never quite left me, particularly first thing in the morning. It was uh, it was a surreal experience. I had woke, woken up around 5 a.m. and it was like, wow. Wow, I failed. I've lost everything, everything. It was the culmination, really, of three and a bit years of failing from 35 onwards, I think. Even though I was still selling my TV work and I had the uh, comedy sketch group together, you know, something was changing at 35 and I, I, I know that I've changed more since 35 than I probably did between 20 to 30. I think there is a, a massive gap in my own experience and, and the experience of friends I've talked to have hit 40 or approaching 40. 40, being on the cusp of 40 in my case, is a world away from 35. 40 is like, it is here, it is happening. My cousin turned 40, showed me this is really happening, I'm the next one. You reevaluate your life. In my case, it comes up short. I'm not a dad like Mickey or my cousin who can regard themselves still as relatively young dads. It, you know, it, and it changes your perception of yourself. I think if you're a father at 40, but uh, I'm on my own, no kids. Me think this isn't good. This wasn't the plan. In truth, as I've said, I never really had a plan. That was part of the problem. I do know I don't like being on my own, but I also know that that is not a good enough reason for being with someone. What I've learned since last uh, December, since that Sunday morning, it was a Monday morning actually, Sunday was uh, when I got dumped, uh, the Monday was when I woke up realising that everything had been lost. What I've 
no, since then is I'm not losing anymore. I'm 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 drawing uh, which rather than losing, which means life is incredibly dull. It's 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 stable, but life is dull, and now I need to find a way of winning. Uh, I've curbed my reckless streak, but I've never forgotten that morning. I think it's important that I don't forget that morning, but I also think it's important that that morning doesn't hold me back. It's happened. It's a part of me, but it can't control me. I've never forgotten the way I got hurt. I've never forgotten how I got hurt, the reasons I got hurt. never forgotten the mistakes that I made in the run-up to that and why I made them, how I lost control of my life, how I put my life in the hands of other people. I know that won't happen again. This is how the show came about. And I started this show back up in the spring. There's been a show every single week, I think since the 23rd or 24th of March, when I was uh, staying in Mitcham with John C. I haven't missed a single week. The show for me has been about trying to understand what was happening to me, what was happening to my life, how I had arrived at that point. It's been about the counselling, which finally, you know, and uh, as someone who was in and out of counselling since the age of 15 and never getting their act together, it it's helped. It's helped. It helped that I was at the hospital when this was all going on. And it's coming up to a year since uh, I was introduced to my uh, counsellor. And I consider myself very fortunate to to have had him to, to help me get to this point. Obviously, mental health has been in the news a lot this week with the tragic news of uh, Gary Speed's death. We don't know what happened there. I'm not sure... Uh, we need to. Um, that was a conversation I had with Martin last night, and I, I agree with him there. We, we we probably don't need to know what happened. It's none of our business. It's sad. Um, what's apparent this week is that there remains a stigma about depression. People have told me I'm very brave for talking about it. Let me tell you, <clears throat> I don't think... I don't think I'm brave in talking about it. I think I was brave in dealing with what I dealt with last year. You know, the six-week period after I lost my job, when I was became aware to me that I was going to lose the girlfriend and I'd already lost the flat, for me, I knew that I needed to be brave during that period. That was, you know, I've gone through a lot of bad stuff over the last decade. That was as hard a period as I've ever encountered in my life. That took everything, that took everything out of me. That's what I thought was brave, was dealing with that. When I realised that I was on my own, when I realised I was not going to be getting the support I needed from my girlfriend, and so really talking about it then was simply a case of getting it out, understanding what had happened. If people didn't want to read the blog or listen to the podcast, that's fine. Didn't have a problem. It's not for everyone. I don't think I'd have got to this point of understanding myself better, to of understanding my mistakes, of understanding how. Others also put me in this situation without talking about it. And really, this is why I'm raising money for the hospital. Um, that's why I'm talking about this on, on today's show. If you're a regular listener, you will know what happened to me last year. If you're new, Show 31, that's the place to start. You'll find much of the info also on the fundraising page, uk.virginmoneygiving.com slash Tyson. So far, I think between three, four hundred pounds raised in donations. They're all going to the Adult Psychotherapy Fund, 
at St. Thomas is the hospital that helped me. And I've been humbled by the large and small donations up to this point. Uh, there are three shows left after this. The appeal is running until after Christmas. Now, look, uh, uh, sorry to go all evangelical this week. The fact is there would have been no show without what's happened to me. There would have been no show without the hospital. Um, and I'm just going to say this this week because I want to step up the collection. I want to step up the donations. I know what I'm like. I know that I am unlikely to do this again. This is show 37. There has been a show every week. More often than not, they've been an hour long. Every show has been free. I've not made a penny from it. A hell of a lot of work goes into it. I'm asking just this week to pay a pound or whatever the minimum is on the donation page just this week. The money doesn't come to me. It goes straight to the hospital, straight to the adult psychotherapy fund. It's not going anywhere else. Uh, you know, I've grown this show. It's all free. Listening figures have, you know, have rocketed in the last two, three months. I'm going to continue the show. It is hard work. If you want to help in any way, you know, if you just want to do something for me this this one week, you know, just donate a pound. Um, a pound for 37 shows, I think that's a bargain. That's the equivalent, really, of me ending up with this beautiful nose on the NHS. Uh, the site, again, uk.virginmoneygiving.com slash Tyson. A pound, that's all I'm asking for. Get on there, make a donation. Apologies for this very direct appeal this week. This is a cause close to my heart. Uh, we're seeing more and more damaged people in our community. Services are being slashed. Uh, you know, these services need all the support they can get. And, uh, you know, the recession is going to claim more people. You know, there may be people listening to this show who will need that help. If you're one of those people, don't hesitate in getting help. There seems to be uh, this idea among a lot of people who get in touch with me that you have to pay for counselling. No, you don't. No, you don't. You go to your doctor and they can put you on a waiting list. You might have to wait two or three months, but you will be seen. And if you need that help, go and see your doctor. Make an appointment. Don't wait. You know, don't wait. Get the help you can get. There's no stigma attached. You want to drop me an email, whatever, drt at westex1607.co.uk. So, uh, you know, please, uh, this appeal needs all the support it can get. Three shows after this, the appeal runs. The Keep Your Head appeal runs until Christmas Eve and... Uh, you know, there'd be no show without it. Uh, time just before I go this week for a Nectar Points update. Uh, purchase made earlier this evening. Three cans of Diet Blue Bolt uh, for a pound. What does that take my balance up to? 237 points was my opening balance. Points earned just two points. Closing balance, 239. Unlikely that I'm going to be hitting that 500 mark. The magic 500 mark for Christmas. So... Uh, that's 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 a shame, but you know this is not too bad, not too bad. I'm pleased with this. I'm a single guy, 237 nectar points. You can't complain, really. You can't complain. Uh, time for me to go now. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, thanks to all of uh, all those of you who have done over the last few weeks. Uh, you can also listen to the show on Jellycast, Mixcloud, and Stitcher. Uh, join the Facebook group. Just request to be added at uh, the Daniel Ruiz Titan Podcast group, and I will add you on there. Please feel free as well to post on the on the page. That page is for you guys. Anything you want to start up, any discussion threads, whatever, it's there for you. Uh, contact me on Twitter or follow me on Twitter at 1607WestEgg. You can email me drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Um, I've been writing a lot on the blog 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Until next week, 
I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson, and I think you know I'm never going bald. Next week, people. Next week. Thank you.